of, of, of his purpose for your life. It's what you're to be, not just what you're to do. Uh, I, I'll ask people different times. We'll be traveling and talking, and I'll say, what's your vision? And, and they'll give me their things-to-do list. I don't know that God's going to say, I, I just want you to do this, 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 this. I think he will start off by saying, I want you to be this. Uh, this is the kind of mom I want you to be. This is the kind of dad I want you to be. This is, kinda, this is the kind of missionary I want you to be. This is the kind of worship leader I want you to be. It's something about being, not just doing. Saul on the road to Damascus, one of the first things the Lord uh, spoke of him, he says, he's called to be a servant of mine. He's called to serve me. A vision from God is usually something that only he can bring to pass. It'll be over your, over your head, out of your element, out of your league, out of your power, just to go ahead and fulfill it easily. And um, some of the things I hear people say, I wonder why God would even say, because it's just so easy. Uh, like one, one, one lady said, my vision is to, is to be a personal witness and hand out tracts. Well, uh, I don't know that God's going to show you something. That's something we're all supposed to do. That's something we're all supposed to live communicating the gospel at every turn. I mean, why would God say that's your vision? I'm not so sure about that. I, th I think that's something you could do on your own without a vision from God. What God shows us is always in part. Uh, I, I've heard people, and I've seen it myself, I've seen it happen, where people prophesy uh, for huge amounts of time, telling you all the details of what the purpose of God is. I think that'd be a ripoff, number one. Uh, you need something to shoot for. I just don't know that God's going to show you the whole panoramic view. I think he shows us in part. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, he says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. The vision of God is like a jigsaw puzzle, you know, where you get a, a few pieces at a time. And you may not even have a lid for the box. You just have some pieces, and you collect more pieces, and next thing you know, it starts to take shape. Next thing you know, after a while, you start to say, I get a real idea here what I'm supposed to be about, how I'm supposed to spend my time, what I'm supposed to do. It kind of fills out over time as you seek the Lord. I think that's more realistic and I think it's more beneficial for us. When we get a vision from the Lord, one of the pieces that's amazing to me is it involves other people. It's never you alone doing all these things. It'll involve, in fact, it'll depend on you being connected to the right people. Uh, for example, Saul gets this, or Paul, he was called Saul, but called Paul. He gets this vision that God has called him to do this thing, but he, it would never have happened if it wasn't for a guy named Barnabas. It just depends on other people. Uh, God, God has a plan for you, but you're never going to get there unless there's other people, people who hold key elements to your purpose. You're going to have to find them, and the Lord loves to sync those things, pull them together. And if I hadn't met this guy, and if I hadn't met this guy, I wouldn't have gotten into any of this. None of this would have happened if I hadn't met her or hadn't met this person. It really depends on others. A real vision from the Lord also is focused on benefiting other people. It's, uh, it's not about you. It's about benefiting other people. It's interesting, uh, 
Jesus goes to his hometown. He goes to Nazareth. He's invited to come forward and speak. There's a scroll, a huge, long scroll, massive thing like this. And a, there's an attendant who's got a stick and probably gloves on. And they unscroll the thing. And they point to where to read. And it says that he found the verse, a particular verse. And, and, and that means that he came upon it. It wasn't planned. It was in the moment he's invited to come to the front. He stands at the front. And what he found, or what he came upon, was a verse about him. Can you imagine reading the Bible about, and, and it's about you? He stands up and he reads. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has called me to heal the brokenhearted. And he goes through the list He's called, me to, he's called me to do this. He's called me to do that. But it's not a things-to-do list. It's all about others. It's all about people. It's all about bringing healing. It's opening eyes. It's reaching the poor. It's bringing the gospel to the poor. It's all these wonderful things. And, he's, and he reads it, and people are astonished. There's that word again. He's a, they're astonished at the, at the most beautiful words that come out of him. I can read it, and it would never sound like Jesus reading it for the first time. And then he, he sits down in awe eyes. These synagogues are not very big. Uh, uh, the synagogue that he was in is probably about the size of that section of the church over there. And all eyes are upon him. And he sits down. And you could hear a pin drop. And then he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Ah, can you imagine that? It's a moment he realized, this is my purpose. This is the vision. This is the destiny. It's all about others. It's all about giving, being given grace to give away. What a powerful, powerful story. In fact, here's what I challenge you to do this coming week. Many of you are going to go on the retreat. Here's what I'd like you to do. You can go to, uh, I think it's Matthew 4, perhaps even Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because... Why do you have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> uh, one, one guy, some young people said, would you pray for me for the Holy Spirit? And he says, you don't even need the Holy Spirit. You're not even using what you have. Uh, you're, not gonna, you're not even doing anything. You're not even helping other people. What, what do you need the Holy Spirit for? Interesting, interesting thing. But here's what I'd like you to write. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because dot, dot, dot. And I'd like you to seek the Lord and say, Lord, why do I have this grace? Why do I have this power? What am I called to do? Fill in the dots. Fill in my purpose. Show me. Give me open the eyes of my heart. Give me a glimpse of how I'm to spend my time, how I'm to prioritize my life. What, I'm, what am I to do? What am I here for? And he'll show you. He'll show you. He wants to show you. It's in his best interest to show you. He's not withholding it, but he won't compete with our double-mindedness and our scattered thinking and the noise in our life. He wants us to stop, inquire of him, say, Lord, why is the Holy Spirit upon me? What do you want to accomplish through me? I challenge you in these next five days as you begin seeking the Lord. Mine begins tonight. Uh, after this meeting, I'm going into my, my mode. Uh, why don't you seek the Lord? Show me what to write, Father. Show me what to write.
God's vision is imparted oftentimes in just a few seconds. It's a glimpse. It's faster than the shutter on a camera. All of a sudden, your eyes are open like an aperture. You're just open, and it's gone. And you're left having seen something. And it's so fast. It's so fast. It's just a glimpse. But it takes a lifetime. I've had some glimpses back in 1978 that are still motivating me to this day. I just had a little glimpse of something. And I can still see it. It's never diminished. It diminished. It's never gone away. It still moves me. I haven't seen the fulfillment, complete fulfillment of it yet. I've seen parts of it, but it's still. It's a lifetime of fulfillment. That's true of the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Book of Acts covers a 30-year period, from the beginning of the Book of Acts to the end of the Book of Acts, which is largely written about Paul or Saul. He says, "You're going to stand before kings." <laughs> well, what a word! What a word. You're going to preach the gospel before kings. You're going to testify about me before kings. It took 30 years for that to finally come about. It was a lifetime. And when he finally stood before kings, he was in chains. The route, the route to the fulfillment of what God said was very different than what he ever could have, have imagined. That's true of Joseph, that's true of David, it's true of me, it's true of us, that the route is very different sometimes than what we see, what we perceive with our hearts. But he did, he stood before kings. Some people prophesy about how easy the journey is going to be. One of the very first things the Lord Jesus said about Saul of, uh, Saul of Tarsus I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. What a word. When was the last time you heard that prophesied? <laughs> I don't think we hear it very much. Uh, no one likes a word. No one's, no one's coveting a word like that these days. Romans 4, 17 says he's the God who calls things that are not as though they were. And one of the, one of the things about uh, being given this vision is you can assume that when God tells you these things about yourself, that now you're capable of fulfilling it. Now you're ready for that. You're up for the task. I, I had that experience. I didn't realize that he calls things that are not as though they were. So he introduced some things to my heart, and then I started going down into this dark, deep valley, a ravine, a desert that went on and on. And I thought, how could God show me these things? And then I go through such a difficult time. It's because that's not who you are yet. It's what you're going to be. The process to get you to be in that place usually is in the valleys, usually in the most difficult places. And it's something that is normal. It happens to all people. It happens to, it happened to Elijah. It happened to David. It happened to everybody you can name, Moses. The route looks different. Can you imagine Aaron? Uh, God's speaking to Moses. Moses is on an 80-day fast, if you can imagine, 80 days. No food, no water. It was miraculous. It's the only thing that could explain it. Partway through this fast, and he's alone, and the Wi-Fi connection was terrible. He's on this mountaintop, and he's there with the Lord, and the Lord's revealing him things and, sh and downloading uh, the law to him. 
but he gives them this vision of Aaron. He says, this is what Aaron will wear, and he describes the turban, and he describes the clothing, the linen, a breastplate filled with different gems that meant different things, and, and that he was going to be a priest, his sons were going to be priests, and they were going to approach God with sacrifices. And he takes about four chapters, if I can remember right, about four chapters describing Aaron. And then partway through, God stops and says, get off the mountain. Get down. Get down. There's, there's a problem in the camp. Get off the mountain. He's talking about Aaron being a, a, the high priest for generations. And now he says, get off the mountain. And Moses skedaddles. He gets down. He meets Joshua partway down. And Joshua says, I, did you hear what's going on down there? He says, it sounds like war. He says, no, that's not war. It's a party. And they go down, and there's Aaron naked, and he's a little tipsy, and, and, and it, it's just a party. And the whole thing, it became sexual, it became weird, and plus, he's created this golden calf and told the people, this is the God who brought you out of Egypt. And, and Moses says, what? What are you doing? He says, I, I, I really didn't do it. They gave me the stuff. They made me do it. I just threw it in, and this is what come out. I mean, he just excused the whole thing. Isn't it interesting that God has a vision of him on the mountain, but the reality was entirely different. Where he was in reality was entirely different. But God calls things that are not as though they were. Where did Aaron end up? What did he end up looking like? Here he is leading, leading the people into idolatry as a priest. That's the reality. But where God took him, he became the high priest that God saw. He became dressed. His sons became high priests. It was exactly what God saw. But the route, the route was very, very different. What about our church? Do you think God calls churches the way he calls people? Uh, we were just doing the math after church. I misspoke this morning. I said that this month is the 12th anniversary of our church starting. We, we looked at the timeline in the back of uh, Life Giving Church book, and this is actually the beginning of our 13th year. And so I missed a year somewhere in there, but 13 years. And, and God gave Phil and I and Heather and Loretta a vision about this, this place. We could never have imagined how fast and how amazing and who all would be gathered here. We never pictured you. We never pictured you. We just, we pictured people coming and, and, and who are thirsty and, and they wanted to come to this well and it had to be fresh water and we wanted, we wanted life for them. We wanted plain people. We wanted uh, horse and buggy people. We wanted people from different backgrounds to come here and find life. And uh, that's happened. Here's what the Lord didn't have a vision for, for Wellspring. Meetings, meetings, meetings. Meetings and more meetings. Sit down, stand up. Sit down, stand up. Sit down, stand up. More meetings, meetings, meetings on top of meetings, more meetings. You need more meetings. I don't think so. I don't think that's what his thinking was. I think we're to do something. I think we're to be something. I think we're to accomplish something, something for others. And uh, I, I, I'm satisfied that good things have happened, but I don't think we've come into 
our, our destiny completely as a church. I think there's more to come. I think there's something that the reason he'd bring grace-filled people together into this place at such a high caliber, such a high level, it's got to be for something. And he calls churches. Why are we located where we are located? Why did God bring in specific gifts and abilities? Why is he giving us financial means? What's it all for? And not, all, not two churches have the same vision, even though every one of them could say, well, we're here to heal people and help people. Well, that's, that's like handing out tracts and being a witness. That's what we're all supposed to do. That's normal. That's, that's not a vision. That's something that's just built in. But why do we exist? Why did God create this church? And I believe this. I believe that there's a judgment day when we'll actually see the book open that says Wellspring Fellowship, and it'll unflural what God saw, what God wrote before the world was, and we'll hear and see a vision that God had in his heart for this, for this, for this, for your generation, for this church, for this, this place, and we have to find it. We have to knock, we have to seek, we have to ask, we have to say, Lord, show us. Help us to tap into this. Help us to come into it. It's not something that's just going to simply happen and we drift, in, drift into it or coast our way into it. We're going to have to pursue it, insist, ask, seek, knock in order to come into it. I believe that a day will come, you'll see this, where God will call churches to stand, generations of churches, and, and uh, will stand as, as one man, as a person, with a characteristics, with capabilities, with a calling, with flaws, with strengths, with weaknesses. We'll stand together as one man, and Jesus himself will say, what did you do with the grace I gave you? What did you do with the people that I, I gathered in this place? What did you do with the resources? What did you do with the things that I gave you? What did you accomplish? And there'll be a, an accounting given by us. And you'll say, well, we attended. We showed up. And he'll say, that's the least you could have done. Why were you there? Who did you help? What, did, what difference did you make in the Yates County? What difference did you make where you, this thing was planted? I think that kind of thing will actually happen, don't you? If it's true, if that's true, I think, it, I think it's on us to get before the Lord and say, Lord, show me a vision for my church. Show me, I'm, I'm praying that you'd open the eyes of our heart, that we as a people would see afresh what we're to do, what we're to be about, why, we, why we've assembled in this place. I think that pleases the Lord. Well, anyway, that's what this week is for, this coming week. If you can't get time off work, perhaps you can eat oatmeal for a few days at home. Perhaps there's a way for you to pray in tongues on the way to church. Perhaps there's, there's a way for you to pass your lunch hour and say, Lord, I, I can have a lunch hour any day of the week. This lunch hour I give to you. I'm going to pray for my church. I'm going to pray for myself. Put my hand on my heart. Say, God, open the eyes of my heart. Let me see. Give me a glimpse. Give me something fresh, something that motivates me. Put, put my eyes on the prize that I can see. Otherwise, we'll coast. Otherwise, we'll drift. 
Otherwise, we'll meander about. Nothing worse than just meandering about. Amen? Let's stand together. I know that's a short sermon, but it's what I have. What do you like, short ones or long ones? I say no more. Can we pray together again? Father, you've done great things to reach into my life and bring me to yourself. You've saved me. You've given me the powerful Holy Spirit. You've opened the word to me. You've given me gifts. You've given me people in my life. Lord, it's not just to survive and it's not just to get through God, I want to accomplish something. I want to do something that's worthwhile. I want to do something that would truly glorify your name. I want my life to glorify you. We sang it tonight, but I, I want my life to bring praise and glory and honor to you. I want my life to point people to you, oh God. I need vision. I need fresh vision. Jesus, I need a fresh glimpse. I need fresh motivation. I need something fresh from you. And I'm asking that you'd open the eyes of my heart this week. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to knock. I'm going to pray. God, meet me. Show me. Show me what you have for me. Help me to see it, O oh Lord. Don't leave me to myself. Don't leave me to my own designs, my own vision, my own plans. God, they'll never satisfy. Put in my heart what brought you so much pleasure. Put in my heart that kind of pleasure. Let me tap into it, I pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for starting it 13 years ago this month. We haven't thanked you enough to have allowed us to be part of this. And people have come here from near and far. And Lord, that's what you said would happen. You said that there'd be young people, hungry people from near and far, and that happened. Father, I, I pray that it would be more than just nice meetings. God, give us vision for this place. Give us fresh vision. Help us to see what's in your heart for this place and this people for this time. Lord, we can't talk about past generations or future generations. All we can really deal with is what's on our plate right now. We're here now. We're here tonight. Show us, Lord. Let us see. In Jesus' name.